Though the global pandemic may be slowing things down, Spring Branch is taking tangible steps forward to keep our economy strong, like supporting our local businesses, linking them to free online business courses, and help from our top leaders. Spring Branch is working for businesses. Yours. Find out more at sbmd.org. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Looped In. This is the Houston Chronicle podcast all about real estate, the dirt, the deals, the people, the places. It's all here. I'm Nancy Sarnoff, real estate reporter with the Houston Chronicle, and I'm here today with Alan West. Hi, Alan. Hey, Nancy. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing real well. So today on the show, we are going to be bringing back a topic that Looped In often returns to, Hurricane Harvey. But today we have a much different spin on the subject. So a few weeks ago, I was standing over by the coffee bar here at the paper, and I overheard our Metro editor, Diana Hunt, talking about a tour she takes people on when they come to Houston to visit. Turns out Diana's tour is a Harvey tour. She is joining us today to tell us where she goes, why she goes there, and what kind of reaction she gets. Diana Hunt, welcome to Looped In. Hi, thank you very much. So let's just yeah, <laughs> let's just dig into this. Um, Diana, now you are not from Houston originally. You've lived here for the past several years, and then you did a tour here in Houston before. You spent a lot of time in Texas. You are a Texan. Um, That's correct. So what what made you start taking people around to show them Harvey spots. Yeah, let me just say, I lived here 14 years when I worked at the Houston Chronicle previously, so I was very anchored into to the Houston community as, at large. Uh-huh. And then I was gone for 20 years, then I came back three years ago. So it's changed a good bit yes. since, I, since I was here before, but there are a lot of familiar areas still there. Um, this started because I had an aunt and uncle from Cape Cod visiting, and um, they had been very diligent in watching news and watching PBS and watching what was happening to Houston during Hurricane Harvey. And then they came to visit afterward, and I felt like I needed to show them what the real impact was, that just seeing it didn't quite convey the aftermath of what we were still dealing with here months and months later. And so we were, I I said, we're just going to go on a quick tour and I'll just tell, I'll show you some Harvey sites. And um, we started in the Meyerland area. Okay, yeah. And uh, Bray's Bayou at that point, they were dredging. They're still dredging, um, trying to deepen the bayou to make give it a greater capacity. Let and me interrupt and just, sorry, just ask, when was this? How many months after Harvey mm-hmm. was this? Was this was probably seven, six or seven months after Harvey. Okay. So it was a good ways after. It wasn't okay. immediately after that. We still had, um, but, but there was so much still being dealt with and so much Still not done. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, and then we drove up and down the streets in Meyerland and looked at the houses. You could still see through houses Mm -hmm. um, that had just been gutted. You were, there were no windows, there were no doors. You could see from the front to the back, they'd just been cleaned out because of the flooding. There were houses that had now been jacked up for 10 or 12 feet because they were going to rebuild, but they were going to rebuild at a higher elevation than where they were. You could see the teardowns. You could see the new construction. Um, I think it drove home for my family what the real impact on a very united community could be and how one house might be okay, but three other houses wouldn't be. And they were fairly astonished 
I think, to see in real time what the aftermath of something like that was. It's hard to comprehend 51 inches of rain Mm -hmm. until you see what the houses, what the neighborhood sustained at that point. Um, And so from the houses, then we went back inside the loop a little bit, and we went by the synagogue that had been just completely destroyed. They managed to save a lot of the, 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 the artifacts and the things they had inside, but they didn't save everything, and they decided it just wasn't going to be worth rebuilding. Mm-hmm. And so the the religious community was also impacted, and that was a very visual, um, a very immediate explanation um, for, for what the impact was on a local community. And, um, and so we, we, we hit Southwest, then we swung around onto Interstate 10, went downtown, and looked at the theater district, the um, the Feet of water that ruined some really beautiful facilities. Didn't ruin them because they're fixing them up, but right. it was real, real devastation in downtown. How high the water was! You could still see water marks on a lot mm-hmm. of the buildings, and to realize the streets we were driving on had been completely inundated. Um, I think was fairly, and, and it was a nice way to say, "Hey, we've got a great downtown. Here it is." But look at all of this other stuff, yeah. and this yeah. is the impact. So we did that. We went by the the courthouse. Um, which is even today not fully operational. They've got some floors open, but they don't have every floor open. And then the jury room, I don't know what they're going to do with that. It's it's a water level facility, and I don't know if they're going to be able to save that. They're still debating. Yeah, and that was a not. I mean, not a brand new facility, but that was pretty pretty Just new. Just a few years old, right? Yeah. yeah. And then the courthouse, they have been talking about tearing that down now, right? Right. right. They're yeah. trying to decide, is it worth fixing or do we just start over some other place that's not right on the bayou? Right. Um, and I had experienced flooding in downtown Houston before. When I was here before, I went through Hurricane Alicia mm-hmm. in 1983. So I've done hurricanes. The, um, the, the eye went over my house at that point. Wow. Um, there was one year, I think it was not it was not a hurricane. It was a tropical storm, but, but the— um, Downtown area, when the Chronicle was still downtown, the downtown area was marooned by the bayou. There was no flooding where we were, but it was completely encircled by water, and everyone got stuck downtown for an extra eight or ten hours until the water went down. So um, these are things that have happened over the years, but not anything really like like Harvey. So um, uh, from downtown, we went— West again on Interstate 10, we saw the um, we, the Greens Bayou where it crosses under Interstate 10 was not far from where several people died. Mm. Um, and you can look down at Greens Bayou today and it looks just like a waterway. But when you think about it being over the freeway and mm-hmm. over the roads and people died in that waterway because it couldn't handle the capacity of water that was coming. And then we went by the ship channel up and over the bridge and talked about um, here's where the chemical plants started exploding after a few days. Here's where a storm surge of 12 or 14 or 16 feet, like a massive storm, would not would devastate not just the ship channel but many of the refineries. And they're not really prepared for a big no. storm surge from a massive storm. Mm-hmm. We also looked at... We went down to Galveston. We split this into two days. <laughs> we were going to go to Galveston anyway because we always do that. But there was the Harvey element there, too. We talked about how Galveston did not take a direct hit. Um, we pointed out the um, hotel where all the emergency management people stay, which is where we always put our reporter because if the emergency management people are going to be there, we feel at least it's our— <laughs> Oh, that's you know, where Carrie Blakinger was. Carrie yeah, Blakinger yeah, was yeah. down so there. So where is Galveston. that? What, what hotel? San Luis. Oh, the San Luis, okay. Right, right, right. So we, you know, we pointed that out and we explained why we have a seawall and what happened in 1900 before there was a seawall when the yeah. massive hurricane just destroyed the whole area. 
And uh, then we take the um, the ferry over to Bolivar. Oh wow, <laughs> you did go. We do. Far, we did. We yeah. have a little little day of event, and uh, Bolivar is um, is very low, and it's a lovely area. But if you think about even a, I mean, at high tide, the water is sort of splash, and the waves sort of splash over a couple of places of the roadway, and with a Five foot storm surge, 10, 12 foot storm surge, there would be a lot of destruction. I don't mm-hmm. think anything, I, it's very hard for me to, to comprehend what would happen. Yeah. Um, that's a good time to discuss the Ike Dyke and the, co- the coastal the spine. The coastal spine. The yeah. coastal <laughs> spine that is being proposed right, and right. what that would do. And a lot of folks on Bolivar are not pleased mm-hmm. with that. And so there's a lot of, lot of policy discussion that can go around a nice drive out along the waterway. Um, then we come back through around and back through Interstate 10. So we don't we don't take the ferry back, although you could always do that. Mm-hmm. One of the areas that we didn't do, I would suggest if somebody wanted to do this, to, to pick their own neighborhoods. A couple of neighborhoods we didn't we didn't go to is we didn't really go west to look at um, the the dams, the reservoirs. Right. Highway six was completely underwater. Um, with reservoirs all around neighborhoods that were s- sitting in the flood pool behind the reservoirs yeah. were backed up. The Brazos River was something that was being watched the whole time. Is it going to breach the, the levees? Is it going to take down neighborhoods and, and cities? And um, the Brazos River has already had a fairly um, significant uh, erosion. It's caused significant erosion in a lot of areas that mm-hmm. had already been written about. Before that started, right? That is comprehensive. Comprehensive, I would say. Depressing. Yeah, yeah. very, very sad. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've taken other people on this tour, or a version of it, I'm sure. Right. Um, you know what? What have been some of the reactions that that you've gotten? Is there maybe one thing in particular that you've noticed stands out to people when you take them or show them? Something. I think there's a lot of silence. I think uh-huh. that there's a lot of just, you know, the from watching it on TV, there was concern. And I have to say that our my house did not flood. Um, I live in South uh, South Houston, not the city, but the southern area of Houston, mm-hmm. along Sims Bayou, and we were really lucky. We Sims didn't Sims didn't Sims flood. Sims didn't right? flood. Yeah. There was a little strip of area that didn't get the early bands of 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 flooding from mm-hmm. Harvey. They didn't get those bands of rain. There was a little strip that didn't get that rain, and I happened to be in that little strip of area that didn't get much. So I think we we got off to a fairly good start. So we'll start from my neighborhood in the bayou by me, and then as we got, I think the, the Meyerland area really, that's when everybody just stares and stares and stares and realizes the heartache and the devastation and the dollars and how the house they may have had for 50 years is never going to be the same. And even if they restored it, could you ever really think that that's going to be, it can never be the same again. Mm -hmm. So I think they realize that. And that will continue to be a neighborhood that we as as journalists watch, as as a real estate reporter, one that I will watch because the character is just completely changing. There are certainly homes there that are being repaired, but so many, you know, so many more probably are being lifted or have been torn down and rebuilt, like you said, with some of these super tall structures. And um, it, sadly, if it happens again and those homes flood again, the ones that are original, I, I don't think there's going to be any more life in them in terms of just the homes, I feel like. 
there will be a point where they say, okay, these homes cannot be repaired. We had a story in the feature section by the architecture, one of the architecture writers here, who noticed that a lot of the mid-century modern homes were being changed forever. Mm -hmm. I mean, to put a mid-century modern home on a (laughs) 12-foot wall really changes the character of the home. Um, And so so architecturally, it's going to be changed forever. I, I know they're trying, folks are trying really hard to restore and maintain and protect, but um, it's really very different. Yeah. Um, so I, I did notice a lot of, I think I think people realized how high, when we went by, I don't know if I mentioned, we went by Buffalo Bayou and we looked at the silt that's still there and we looked at here's how high the water was that left all the silt here. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a way for for my family to envision the volume that was there. The yeah. photos, you can see the photos and you can see roads underwater, but until you realize that includes 30 feet of water or 20 feet of water, it's difficult to, to mm-hmm. visualize, I think. And my family is um, coastal residents, and so they understand they've had problems with, erosions, with erosion themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. So as you've done these tours over the past year, year and a half, what have you noticed? What has stood out to you going by these places time and time again? Is there anything that has stuck out? You know, Houston is a very resilient place. And I know that we've said that and everybody mm-hmm. says that, but it's it's very resilient. <laughs> yeah. They're really working at this. Yeah. They're trying, what can we do to save this neighborhood? What can we do to save my home? How can we deepen Braze Bayou so more water doesn't pour into the neighborhood? I mean, there's lots of effort going on. I think it's a very slow process, and I'm not sure. I think there's still work to be done from Ike and so from Hurricane Ike. And so how long will will the Hurricane Harvey residuals still hang on here? Um, but there are efforts going on large and small. I feel like they're trying to come up with a big master plan, and we now have a big bond package right. that will help do some of the bigger uh, bigger projects, but it's going to be an effort large and small. Yeah, it's going to be take years, right? Yeah, that's what's so interesting to me, too, is just, I mean, the silence that she described is really interesting, but that you're driving from downtown Houston to Meyerland to Bolivar speaks to the scale of what the entire region is facing. Yeah. And yeah, the coastal barrier is a response to a hurricane that happened 10 years ago. <laughs> and we're still designing it. Right. Much less building it. It's, you know. Yeah. So scale plus time equals what do they say tragedy? Yeah. Well, and the <sighs> thing about Hurricane Harvey, as I said, I've been through hurricanes before yeah. and this was not a direct hit. Mm-hmm. And so we didn't get the huge storm surge and the 150 mile an hour winds that you would get. We got a lot of rain, rain. but we didn't get the high winds and storm surge that can be really destructive. Mm-hmm. And with a direct hit from a category 5 hurricane, we'd have a 12, 14, 15 foot storm surge pouring into the ship channel over Bolivar into Galveston. I mean, there's just the, it's incomprehensible in a way yeah. what the potential is. And we have a chance to try to fix some things now before we get one of those. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> All right. So <laughs> before we started recording today, I asked Alan to do something and I did it myself. Mm-hmm. And that's put together a list of places where we would take visitors to show them Harvey, you know, 
I hate to say Harvey landmarks, like that sounds like a positive thing, but um, just places that resonated with us. The first one was a house that I've mentioned on this podcast before. I took a tour with a real estate analyst after Harvey to of Meyerland and just that general area to see what the houses were like, the ones that were being rebuilt. And there was one on South Braisewood that that he called or we called or someone called the Swamp Castle <laughs> because it's so large. And I, I wrote about it and we had a big picture on it, I think, it's on the— It's kind of become an iconic image. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Post-Harvey image. Yeah. Right, because it's a big, big house, you know, a, a mansion. You could call it a mansion. And it's it's built 10 to 12 feet above, above the dirt. And— there's an elevator in the garage to get up to the first floor, and we took this picture with the couple who's building the house standing, you know, standing well <laughs> beneath the first floor. And that's—I feel like that—that that is a very strong image mm-hmm. um, to illustrate what's happening to a lot of these neighborhoods. And we should say these are neighborhoods where a lot of people—not everyone, but a lot of people—have the means to do something like that. There are plenty of of neighborhoods where people are still living without walls, still living with mold, still living in a place, you know, in, in a place that's probably unsafe. So mm-hmm. these were just a, some of the images that I remember seeing and, and reading about. And let's see, do you remember that sinkhole that, um, I mean, there were a couple, but yeah, on the beltway, on the West Belt, just south of I-10, that was, whenever I drive over there, I always think about when I drive kind of under I-10, I guess I I think of the, how the water was above (laughs) the homes. I mean, it was, you know, a lot of the freeways were like that and they're meant to hold water, but um, just I, I look at that and I just think of the scale of how tremendous this this was. So you mentioned the mid-century modern homes. That has been a story that has come back at really after every flood that we've had because a lot of those neighborhoods have, have gotten hit. The one that I think of is one that I learned more about this time around, and that's Memorial Bend, which is over by I-10 in the Beltway area where I was, that we were just talking about, where all the streets are named for operas. And it was kind of a, you know, it's a smaller neighborhood with a lot of really architecturally significant homes oh. that that um, have been demolished. And, and so I thought of this one this morning, the areas that are now being developed that are in the floodplain, like <laughs> the Pinecrest Golf Course, which you you could take you know you could take someone and to see that and that's surrounded by a neighborhood that was flooded and that's quite a narrative right to to tell uh, what happened over there and how the developers um, bought that land and you know they're they're moving forward with their plans to put houses on it it's several hundred homes and they're you know going going to lift them up. And Lots they, of infill dirt. They well, they say that <laughs> you know they're yeah. following the new guidelines, but the people around them are are pretty upset. So anyway, there there are a lot, and then of course the 
the convention center, which now looks beautiful and yeah. like it like it always had, uh, even better probably. But that's where I spent most of my time after the hurricane. So I think to to show people images of what it looked like, just with the, the people pouring out and the people inside, and so those those are some of my thoughts. Alan, you want to share yours? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that we're all mentioning some of the same places. I mean, I had Meyerland first on my list. Mm-hmm. You had mentioned wanting to go to the Barker and Attic dams, and I think that would be really interesting to maybe splurge on a helicopter and get up into the air just to see how massive they are to begin with and then yeah. try to imagine them overflowing. Yeah. There was that much water. Yeah, for sure. And then the neighborhoods that are— yeah that are right there, kind of within it, mm-hmm. right? In the flood flood pool, they call it, right? Let's not also forget the Conroe Dam and, and um, the San Jacinto River, too. Yeah. That's a whole other area, Right. Too. I mean, Kingwood is another right. neighborhood mm-hmm. that was really hit hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Pinecrest Golf Course was on my list as it well. It was. <laughs> yeah, because that's, you know, there, it's such an interesting story that in some ways captures a lot of the complexity with a city like Houston trying to be resilient. And, you know, Mayor Turner was vocal about suggesting that Harvey isn't dissuading people from wanting to continue to develop and invest in Houston. But it's a question, too. We don't have that much open green space that we could have used for detention. And so right. it's, 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 it sort of reveals some of the contradictions inherent in the city. Um, Your suggestions are making me think I need to develop a second tour, which is the Harvey Recovery Tour. The Harvey Recovery Tour. To see where the growth is going and is this really the smartest thing to do and what are the issues there. So Yeah, Yeah, that's a great idea. That could be next year's tour. Right, right, right. I think, yeah, maybe, you know, charge admission. We can rent a party bus. I think it would be really fun. (laughs) Or we could get Mr. McKinney's bus and use that. (laughs) Another one that I had, well, I had a few. I thought, you know, in in that Sunday— that um, the storm first hit. I live in Midtown, which is, you know, far away from bayous, but mm-hmm. it was completely underwater. And so I walked up this on-ramp, uh, the, a 288 ramp, where some of my smarter neighbors had pulled their cars, <laughs> which I wish <laughs> I had done. But all of, there's, I think there's about 15 lanes of 59 and 288 right there, Midtown on the way to downtown, and it was completely submerged. And I would want to take somebody up onto that ramp and just say, look, and this was a lake, mm. just to get them to envision the the volume of water. Yeah. Far from any bayou. It was just that much rain and that yeah. much runoff. Yeah, that's a good point. Any um, others? Well, this is interesting because um, Councilwoman Amanda Edwards, is, is she's doing like a, a canvassing tour in Kashmir Gardens, which was also hit really hard and faced a lot of sort of separate issues because it's right there on Hunting Bayou. Mm. Um and a lot of what you said, you know, people still living with, with you know, not mm-hmm. without drywall mm-hmm. is, is, is true in that community. So it'd be interesting to see, um, to hear from her what sort of stories she gets. Right. Yeah. Well, on that note, thank you for being here, Diana, and for sharing the stories of, of your Harvey tours. And I think it's it's really great that you're continuing to sort of spread the message of of what happened and, like you said, what what some of the recovery has been and what some of our options or, or what some of the proposals are. And um, it's obviously important to keep it on the minds of everyone mm-hmm. and 
keep discussing it. Um, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, Alan, thank you as well. Thanks for sharing your ideas. Yeah. And listeners, we hope you enjoyed the show and, and learned something. I certainly learned a few things. If you don't already, please subscribe to Looped In on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And if you would, please rate us and write a review. It helps other people find the show. I'd also love to hear from you. So if you have an idea for a show or just want to say hi, you can reach me on Facebook or Twitter. I am at N Sarnoff. Thanks so much and see you next time.